This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer a Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer a Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. Here for a great day every year, roster cutdown day, and joining me is Kyle Barber, our friend from camp this year. How you doing, Kyle? Doing pretty well. Uh, busy day, of course. Uh, a lot of NFL news released today, and you and I are here to talk about the latest. Very interesting stuff here. So let's start with the Ravens here. Obviously, they've been active in recent days. They made another trade today. Ben Bredesen going to the Giants for an exchange of a fourth for a fifth and a seventh. Some different views on just how much value that is. If you look at the JJ chart, it's it's somewhere in the uh, late fourth to late fifth range in terms of the net value there. But uh, so exciting that DeCosta was able to get something for a player who's obviously going to cut. Three players that they've traded in the last, I believe, six days that they weren't going to make on the roster, and Bredesen's the latest, and you know, packaging a couple picks that he may not have wanted, and instead to uh, uplift his value for uh, a fourth round pick. I believe that's five fourth round picks mm-hmm. in the 2022 draft. This is only going to further bolster, uh, you know, the roster in terms of both depth and uh, a likelihood of them packaging the. Those picks for a, a higher rated player up in the uh, eventual 2022 draft. Yeah, that, that's exactly what this is, is the, the draft picks are the currency of especially low round draft picks are the currency of draft day transactions. So if you want to move up, you got to have the right change. And uh, the Ravens have the right change. They have the, the small bills they need to uh, to make some of these transactions. Yeah, perfectly uh, uh, placed for the Ravens to, uh, you know, do whatever they want in the upcoming draft. All right, let's talk some of the players here because those are some interesting things. So we're going to talk this from the cuts perspective, and I think we're just going to start with the players who were uh, waived on their initial contract that have to go through the waiver process. So these are players in their first four years. Um, Adrian Ely, a guy some people thought had a chance to make the roster, 
played well at the very tail end of some games, definitely de- delivered some highlight blocks as I scored it. Uh, I think the Ravens will try and get him on the practice squad, but he definitely is a player that may draw interest. Yeah, this is a player that you hope makes it all the way through waivers and are concerned he may not uh, among many of the players that are already on this list that will be going through. Um, Like you said, he performed well in the late end stretches of games. And I think uh, some even noted they might not have played him many series just for the sake of not having much tape on on for uh, the 31 other teams in the league to, you know, process and and comb over and, and decide whether or not they want him. The Ravens are thin at uh, backups and uh, reserve tackle position. And uh, maybe that's a part of the reason why they're hoping he's going to be making it through waivers and onto the practice squad. They, they have a guy they terminated yesterday also who they may bring back, and that's Schofield. So we'll see how that works out. But in Ely's case, I thought the interesting choice was, do you put him on a season-ending IR, if the player agrees, of course, and, and maintain your rights to him next year? Uh, at a significant cost because you got to pay him a, a you know the full salary for that, um, or do you just you hope he makes it through the practice squad, have him practice, and then you've got to realize he's probably on a short fuse because as NFL tackle um, depth degrades as the season progresses, he's very likely to be taken at some point. Yeah, I think you still. I think you got to risk the gamble here. You know, they didn't spend any draft capital for him. Um, they picked him up as an undrafted free agent, and and though they paid him some extra money, I, I do get that. Just overall, um, you want to have him ready and available and working within your system because when you put him on season-ending IR, what occurs is is you can't practice exactly. You can't practice. You can't be on. You can't be working with the team. And uh, and and there's a, a player on every single roster. That's an NFLPA guy that would report that if you do do it. So you can't just sneak around and try to bend the rules just to work through that. As a, if for those that don't know of these rules, listening to this episode, and so this is, I think you just got to risk it. And uh, and I can understand the arguments against it. It makes sense, but I think personally, I you know I trust Acosta in this decision, and I'm going to agree mm-hmm. and concur with him here. Yeah, it's, uh, he would have to go off and do his own position-specific coaching. It wouldn't be with the team, so that's obviously the downside. Let's move on to the ne- next one, another interesting one. Ben Mason cut uh, fifth-round draft pick. Now, we really do understand why that pick was made, although I really didn't like it at the time. It became more apparent with the Ricard, the um, revelation that Ricard had had off-season surgery. So this was more of an insurance policy, Ben Mason was. Very few fullbacks in the entire league. Uh, I'm sure, I'm not positive, but I think there's a good chance he drops the practice squad and is retained. I think it's maybe 20, 25% that they lose him uh, during the next uh, day, but I think he's probably going to be on the practice squad to start the year. Yeah, I'm incredibly confident that he's going to be making it through waivers and onto the practice squad. Um, I wasn't a big fan of the draft pick either. Uh, this is why instead you would hope to draft a project tackle, just like we were talking about Ely just right before this. Uh, this is an area that you try and develop some of that uh, offensive line talent for the future or for the right now in, in the insurance policies. And that's where you could have drafted. I believe there was a couple guys sitting right around that draft area. Forsyth, for example, yeah. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I was trying to remember the name while I was talking. So thank you for just picking that right there for me, Ken. Uh, but yeah, this is where I, I disagreed with that draft pick. And and you don't even know if anybody would have eventually drafted Ben Mason at that time. But the time for debating whether or not that's uh, it is is long past. And instead, uh, you know, he'll likely be on the practice squad for the Ravens in the next couple of days. Yeah. 
All right, so Nate McCrary, uh, the running back, not a surprise that he's cut. Um, it's not a not a zero percent chance he plays for the Ravens at some point this year. Definitely shows some shiftiness. Uh, I, I expect him to be on the practice squad. I expect him to be one of the options that the Ravens will turn to at some point this year. They probably will find a, another back off somebody else's scrap heap that they like, and and bring him over to the Ravens. But uh, but he's a he's a he'd be a guy that the Ravens might turn to if there are injuries this year. Yeah, he wasn't expected to make the roster prior to J.K. Dobbins' injury. The guy that was expected was Tyson Williams. And so with this cut, there's nothing really shocking or uh, uh, coming to light or in, yeah, enlightening us on uh, this cut here. Uh, liked what I saw him out of, out of the preseason. He was good in, in practices. Nothing exemplary, but also he wasn't bad by any stretch. We saw some good plays out of him, and, and uh, he'll... If uh, the Ravens want him back, he'll certainly be back because there's a plethora of running back talent in the NFL. Right. Interesting to me that the Ravens did not cut Justice Hill here. Uh, he's a guy I did have projected to be cut and uh, would have been a guy that uh, that I would have thought made sense. But the Ravens are doing so much that is going to erode the special teams talent that they have that I think they really felt like they needed to keep a core special teamer, at least for now. Uh, we'll see how it works out after the after they sort out uh, other potential things. I don't think Hill's spot is secure uh, by any means. Yeah, I can completely agree with you there, Ken. I had Justice Hill also not making my roster. That was when J.K. Dobbins was healthy. And when he wasn't healthy, I, I put it as a toss-up between McCrary and Hill. And uh, the difference being Hill just has a little bit more special teams to offer uh, in, in terms of talent there. And uh, I like that point that you made. Yeah, the Ravens are, are changing a lot through their special teams unit and their coverage units. And Justice Hill is very successful in that. And they, and they don't have Chris Moore from last year, who was a was a significant player in that role. So they're going to hang on to Justice Hill for another year or for a few weeks. We'll see what happens in the season. Or for a day, maybe even. <laughs> but, uh, Tra- Trace McSorley caught no surprise there. I'm sure he'll make the practice squad. I don't think there's any team that's really knocking at that door, honestly. And the Ravens value him as, as the backup and, and third there. Uh, anything to say about that? Uh, not really. Uh, McSorley was good, but yeah, uh, he was definitely outperformed by Tyler Huntley, especially down the stretch and in that five touchdown game that we all got to watch on Saturday. So this makes the most sense. And they're trying to hang on to so much talent elsewhere. So this uh, this was the right move here. A couple more receivers got released today. Jalen Moore uh, is not really a surprise, but he did play a fair number of snaps in the preseason. And Benjamin Victor, who had a, t- a terrific game versus Washington, there were thoughts that he would be brought up. I think he'll they'll try and get him through to the practice squad. If he ends up there, I think there's a reasonable chance he could be activated a couple of weeks early on if the Ravens are as shorthanded as they appear to be now at wide receiver. Yeah, that's what I agree with as well. Moore I wasn't surprised by, but Victor was, was the the – possibility guy that you had that, oh, this guy could sneak onto it if they make a couple moves here or there. But of the of the list as well, this is the guy that I expect to be back on the practice squad and, and maybe brought up, you know, people saw him uh, in that touchdown and went, that's kind of what Miles Boykin is, is what they were expecting out of, you know, Miles Boykin throughout the season. And, and Victor just did it right there. And maybe he can translate just a little bit of that size that he has, you know, 6'4", almost 200 pounds. And, uh, and maybe that can transition uh, for a bigger receiver when so many are out and so many are not fully healthy yet. Uh, just 
I think uh, Baker has an opportunity here. We'll see how much of an opportunity, though, uh, dependent upon the health of the Ravens in, in two weeks' time. They, they must have talked to him about that. I mean, his game against Washington was a skills challenge performance in terms of toe tapping on the sideline, the good catch in the end zone with the high pointing the ball, holding it to the ground. The spatial awareness on, on a couple of first down plays uh, were nice. The, the helmet to helmet hit he took and maintained control of the ball. Very impressive. I wouldn't want that in a skills challenge. Don't get me wrong, but, <laughs> but, but I was very impressed by it. I said a lot about him in my article. I point people to, uh, but uh, appreciate uh, the opportunity to opine a little bit on Victor there. Let's move on. Tony Poljan, the tight end, not a surprising guy to be cut. Um, uh, you know, so they they let two of their bigger guys, Poljan and Tomlinson, go. To, uh, Tomlinson via termination at tight end, and that uh, obviously uh, cements the roster as Oliver Boyle, who will not start the season, we're told, and um, uh, and Mark Andrews uh, as the three tight ends. Yep, I think the uh, that's the right list. That's what everybody expected. Um, week two of the preseason really cemented uh, Oliver as the the guy that they're taking as their third tight end. Even though a lot of us, uh, including myself, really liked what we saw out of uh, Eric Tomlinson in the blocking game and even the receiving game at times. And uh, you know he had a touchdown as well uh, against Washington. I like what he saw out of him. So I expect they bring back Tomlinson. Uh, they could definitely bring back both of them because the Ravens are are known to. Use use uh, their tight ends more than anything and they're a big physical team and and uh, I liked what I saw out of them but uh, Oliver makes the cut and uh, I think that's the right way to go about it with the two pass catching tight ends with Mark Andrews and and uh, Oliver and Nick Boyle being the multifaceted threat but more specifically in the blocking game and and uh, I like that the the activation of him to the roster means that he's not going to be out for the full six weeks that he would be out if he was on the PUP list, which is great news. Yeah, they still need to replace him, and that's why I think Tomlinson will be back. Uh, Paul Jan, I think he's a, he's a perfect practice squad guy. I mean, he's a guy maybe later in the year you have a couple injuries and and you need him. Um, Cyril Foster, uh, he could be a practice squad guy. Didn't really play that well at tackle in the preseason. If he's second on the tackle list, I think the Ravens are more likely to look elsewhere than to bring him back. But he's a possible practice squad guy. Anybody you had during camp always ends up that way when you have a 16 guys to fill that, that slot, that uh, roster. Yeah, no doubt about it. I didn't have much on Foster Cyril. Um, he, uh, didn't catch my eye throughout camp and, and, uh, you being the the studier of the two of us, you definitely know more on him than I do. So I'll leave it at that. Jovan <laughs> right. Swan, I thought, did play pretty well in the preseason. In fact, the Ravens had three guys who looked pretty good in the preseason uh, this year. Uh, one of them being Aaron Crawford, but they've they've waived Aaron Crawford injured. Does that mean an injury settlement for the year for him? I don't know if it's the year. I don't have the specifics on that kind of ruling, but uh, uh, maybe I can find that out uh, before the end of this episode or so I can stumble upon it on Twitter here while we keep things moving. Okay. Swan is a guy I think they will keep on the practice squad. The fact that that Crawford is waived uh, and and injured right now tells me they are certainly going to bring back Justin Ellis. First of all, that move as a termination didn't make any sense when you consider what the Ravens otherwise have at backup nose tackle, which is nothing. 
So, <laughs> yeah, there's absolutely nobody there. And uh, yeah, so they axed about three players uh, and we'll get further into that, I assume, in the, later in this episode. But yeah, Ellis being one of them, he's most certainly going to come back after they put some people on IR. And, and these are all those wink, wink deals that you and I spoke about for three weeks during training camp uh, leading up to this and seeing all these injuries occur. This is what we were talking about. And it's come to fruition right here, Ken. There you go. Uh, Jake Verity waived. Unfortunately, the missed kicks against Washington really uh, eliminated any possibility that the Ravens would get draft capital on a turn. If he made a couple long boots, maybe. You never know. Lions released a couple guys today, right? Exactly. Yes. That's what I was going to go with is the Lions were so confident they could uh, probably take Jake Verity or bring in a bunch of people in for kicking practices Mm -hmm. and competitions that they cut both kickers that were on their roster. They are entering uh, their first 53 man roster without a kicker. So that only goes to show that. There was no real trade market for Verity, at least after, at least once uh, the the third preseason game had completed and he missed the 40-yard field goal. Maybe there had been some value previous, but that had been washed away by then. And then the extra point as well. But he, he had, it's an interesting move by the Lions because if you have a kicker on the margin in the NFL, there really isn't a need to roster him. He's, he becomes one of your guys that you can use as a, as a wink-wink guy to either bring back or, hey, you know, kickers are not that hard to find. You, 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 you go to the next guy. The Ravens, of course, having, you know, extremely valuable specialists at all three of the spots, it was never in doubt, you know, that they could play this kind of game with any of them. But, uh, but in those cases, it's, uh, you know, it's, a, it's probably a very good move for the Lions to go to zero. Yeah, right. it makes the most sense. Now, the biggest cut, a lot of people bothered by this, and I think he's one of the guys who was closest to the line is Nigel Warrior. Now, my personal view, there were four guys in camp, Stone, Westry, Washington, and Warrior. And I was of the opinion that three of the four would make the squad. Warrior was my guy to be cut, and he was. Uh, I think there is probably a 40% chance handicapping it that he makes it through to the practice squad. Not terrific. they got to be willing to say goodbye to him, but they just didn't have another better option for who to cut. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Uh, I think the toss-up came between Warrior and Westry of the two. I think they really liked what they saw out of Geno Stone, and they're really happy that they got him back after what happened with him getting picked up and going to the Houston, and now he's back. And then first preseason game gets two interceptions. Uh, they liked a lot of that of Ardarius Washington. You know, Don Martindale, he uh, he was gushing about him uh, up at the podium multiple times, talking about how he's just always around the ball, and, and he, he sounded genuine in his comments you know you the coaches are, are not frequently going to criticize their players at least openly or uh, or directly but don martindale was specific like genuinely uh, uh noting uh our darius washington's accomplishments in training camp in the preseason so we knew those two guys felt more secure in their spots and that that left warrior westry and uh i liked i like westry more i think they love his length more and that kind of just put Warrior on the outside looking in um, in terms of versatility and, and utilization throughout the season. But he definitely they, they want him back on the practice squad. No doubt about it. But like you said, there's a high likelihood that uh, he won't be making it because he's just going to be pursued elsewhere. 
Yeah, I thought there was a pretty good chance that Warrior specifically could be traded to the Arizona Cardinals, who are basically out of defensive backs at this point, or out of out of cornerbacks. And it made all kinds of sense. And and actually, they have a you know an offensive tackle who might have been a guy the Ravens wanted, or at least could be the fourth tackle. So it's a, it's it would have made sense. It seemed to be complimentary. If not that, then maybe a draft pick. So. You know, but anyway, we, we get to this point. Nigel Warrior is lost, unfortunately, without value. I'm sure they made that phone call. I'm just not, not uh, you know, obviously nothing developed out of it. I think the next group is the most interesting, and this is where a lot of them. Well, you know what? Let's talk about waived injured first, because those three guys, um, I don't expect them to be back, but we need to understand the definition for, as it relates to Aaron Crawford. Otoro Laka has a very serious knee injury, as I understand it, isn't able to stay on the field. And while the Ravens have liked what they saw from him in special teams. And I think he might've actually played a couple of snaps for the Ravens maybe two years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it was, it, he was a guy who uh, they, they just, from a, from a health perspective, it's not going to make sense. Yeah. They had him out on the field at one point and uh, they, they, they saw what they saw out of him and that's why he got it shut down really quickly. And, and they just came to the acceptance of he's not going to be able to play at least uh, not soon with a, with a knee injury. And he's, he's just not looking uh, well enough to do so. Another guy that we do have on this list uh, we're going to get to is uh, wide receiver Dion Kane out of Clemson. Um, I liked a lot of what I saw out of him. Unfortunately, the third preseason game really did him in uh, and went from went from maybe the the wide receiver to sneak onto the roster. Uh, but as we said, it's Benjamin Victor now. But previously, I think Deion Kane had that had that title, and then uh, just couldn't haul in uh, the passes thrown his way. Missed out on a deep ball. Uh, so, like there was some decent defense on some of them. There wasn't great on others. And it was just uh, he didn't make the make the opportunity and 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 come through and and perform well. Yeah, I mean, for, there, there were other problems with Kane. He's a third-year player, so he doesn't have tremendous future option value. So, you know, he, he kind of had the deck stacked against him relative to a player like Victor to start with. Uh, but also, apparently, he's hurt now. And and uh, at some point during that Washington game, I guess he he, he must have gotten hurt. Uh, and uh, yeah, that, that will end up costing the Ravens a little more money in terms of, uh, of what they have to do with an injury settlement here. Yeah. All right. One one player let go for a non-football injury. And I was asked the question. I do not know the answer whether or not Juwan James can be brought back at some point this season when he's on an NFI list. And if it's the same as it was for Kari Vedvik two years ago, then I believe the answer might be no. But I'm, but I, but I don't know for a fact what the NFI designation does in terms of the ability to, to bring him back. I don't, I think it probably was not realistic at any point that he would be back this season though. I think I've found it uh, here on a website. I'll read it out. The non-football injury list works similarly to the PUP to be placed on the NFI list. Players must have uh, need to have suffered a non an injury, not related to NFL football or have something that keeps them from practicing at the start of training camp. The rules when a player on the NFI can return to work are the same for those on the PUP. One caveat to the NFI and PUP lists is that once a player has been cleared, they cannot go back on the list. Said player will have to be cut or placed on the injured reserve list. So it sounds like he can return when healthy. Um, news. 
Yes. So that that's uh, outstanding news for Juwan James and uh, the Ravens tackle depth for sure, because this is an interesting pickup that they that they uh, hasn't been spoken about a lot because he is an NFI guy. He tore his Achilles, so it, he could be out for a very lengthy amount of time, of course. But they did this a few months back, you know, under the radar during free agency, I believe. And, and now we can find out what's uh if there's uh, any value in Juwan James' play in 2021-22 season. Sneaky value guy, but I think it was mostly for 22. They made the move, um, and, and the pricing kind of looked like it was a one-year deal for 2022, one-year deferred kind of thing. So it, it'll be interesting. Um, I, you know, I think he, he probably can help the team next year. It means they can also pursue a one-year solution at offensive tackle this year if they, if they want to, which is kind of nice. Let's go back to the Terminator list because that's where the money is in this show and <laughs> this show and for the Ravens. They cut five guys, four of whom I believe may be back. Three of them almost certainly will be back. Justin Ellis, defensive tackle. Uh, we talked about him a little bit earlier. I, I'm going to let you pick whoever you want to talk about. But Anthony Levine uh, was cut today. It's not the first time this has happened to Levine. So he, he still very well may be back. Pernell McPhee, I think the Ravens have pretty much decided they want to go with six outside linebackers. Um, I think he'll be back. Chris Smith uh, probably will not be back. But, boy, he played well in this preseason. And Eric Tomlinson, so of course, who makes complete sense to fill in for Boyle for however many weeks he's still out. Yeah, uh, I'm going to start off with uh, Pernell McPhee and McPhee, I've already heard, is is uh, planning to return from uh, messages that I've got from uh, other group chats and stuff like that. Uh, so expect McPhee to be one of uh, one of the three, as you and I were speaking about previously, that uh, will return to the Ravens roster after they get some IR stuff worked in and out throughout the uh, the next 24 hours. Uh, like what I saw out of Pernell McPhee and you mentioned Chris Smith's preseason, I was astounded by just really his, his production and consistency out there on the football field, both in training camp and the preseason, to be quite honest. He had some great training camp practices, and I think you and I had mentioned him on a few episodes that I joined you here on uh, Film Study. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, it's an interesting pair of players because they have a lot of similarity on the surface, at least. Both can kick inside on pass rush downs. McPhee is by far the better edge setter. Chris Smith is not a guy you really want in there as a run defender. The fact that McPhee sets the edge so well and the way the Ravens constructed their outside linebacker core this year is very interesting to me because they have six to make five every week Will be is my guess is how this will work. So activate five from their group of six. They can almost manage this like a bullpen or a pitching staff where you can the, the most unhealthy player, the guy who's you know having the most trouble, you can sit him for a week. You can afford to sit him for a week. And, and you know, with guys like McPhee, and Houston, and you know, really any of them, but McPhee and Houston for starters, you're going to Ferguson, for example, you, you're going to have some guys who are who are a little bit dinged up from week to week. Well, great, you 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 can allow them time to recover, and I, I really love the way they did it. And I, I love six to make five given how often Wink puts four outside linebackers on the field. Yeah, it's very opportunistic of the Ravens and taking advantage in small ways to eliminate uh, any risks here, you know, because when you put when you put the the dinged up guys out there and, and it turns from a small groin injury or a small, you know, yeah. uh, you know, hampering injury into uh, Rashad Bateman now being out for multiple weeks because, you know, maybe he he stressed it too far. You know, those small nicks and soft 
tissue injuries can become serious and, and just sitting a guy for an extra week, letting his body recover and, and putting him through more rehab to uh, eliminate any extra risk makes makes great sense. And that's how you can keep these guys healthy down a 17 game stretch instead of just a 16 now. So I think we're in agreement that Ellis and Tomlinson are coming back. We know McPhee is coming back. Chris Smith, there might be a chance he could make it through to the practice squad initially, but he'll play somewhere in the NFL this year. In fact, I think he'll play somewhere in the NFL probably on week one, maybe not till week two if somebody wants to play that you know veteran week-to-week pay deal with him, uh, but he will play this year. Yeah, I can agree with you there. Uh, as for the last guy, Anthony Levine, um, I think he – is going to return, but it's, uh, you know, I don't see how they don't bring him back. You know, I, I assume, I assume at this point they restructure his, his deals for these specific wink, wink contracts. Mm-hmm. At this point, if they're not doing it, I'm surprised because this is what they've done. I believe the last two years, it might've just been the last one year, but, uh, if my memory serves, it feels like the last two where they, Hey, Anthony, like, help us out. We're going to we, we need this guy on IR. You know, the rules, you're, you're a team guy. So put the team first. We're going to fire you for a day. You'll come back. You'll get your money. Everything's going to be fine. <laughs> right. Well, unlimited three week IR has totally driven this this deluge of players that you try and cut and then and then resign on on wink wink. Levine is a is a special cat for a lot of reasons. First of all, they were playing him on the back end. They stopped doing that when he was playing dime. I thought he played very well. Been very well this camp, so I was excited about to see that because it's been three years since Anthony Levine was really the dominant dime he was in 2018. I've said before many times it was the greatest dime season in Ravens history. Uh, it was eclipsed in 2019 by Chuck Clark, <laughs> but uh, but it was the greatest, and they played a lot of dime over the years, so that really means something. I think the other thing possible is with Levine is he might not come back for week one, but he might be a guy you can even drag it out a little longer and you bring him back week three or week four, when your roster shakes out a little bit, somebody else gets hurt, you know, you, you, you have room for this special teams ace you really need back. That makes a lot of sense. And I think it, there's a, a real trust between these two and an understanding between Levine. You know, he is, he's a Raven through and through. He's talked about this franchise and how happy he is to be a Raven. And, and, you know, he's been in this veteran role and uh, he just cares about the younger guys that are on there. You can hear it from him at the podium. You can hear it with him on the football field. And you see it on the football field when they're in the practice on the practice fields. And he's grabbing guys to the sideline, just speaking with them and, and, and instructing everything. I mean, even we used to before before COVID, we run off to the sideline and give Jeff Zrivik a high five and a quick handshake and say, what up, Z? And, and, and yell at Jeff after he'd make a play to make sure that Jeff would write it down and stuff. So he has a real camaraderie with just everybody here uh, from media to, to players at that point. So uh, I like that idea. That makes a lot of sense that, uh, hey, we won't bring you back right away. You don't need to be here right away. Like, let us get everything figured out by week two and, and we'll have you back on if a guy gets injured if not we have some people in mind that we're interested in releasing and you can be back on here that that's a that's definitely something that the ravens and and levine can workshop for the better i want to go the other direction for a second in terms of some players who made the team who are maybe not a sure thing to do it and one is miles boykin obviously the ravens obviously like what he brings physical gift wise but more than that Ravens do not have a standing X receiver at present. And I think letting one of them go 
was just a little more risk than they were willing to take. So between Bateman, Watkins, and Boykin, hopefully one of those guys is ready for opening day. Otherwise, um, you know, you could have Duvernay there. You could have – it wouldn't be Wallace, I don't think, because Wallace is the other side of the field. I guess it could be Prochet maybe, but, you know, you're, you're, you have, you're, you're limited in terms of who you can have in that spot. I think at this point you just throw Mark Anders out wide and you just hope for the best with his size and speed. But I don't think he has uh, the speed necessarily to uh, (laughs) compete against number one cornerbacks on a play-by-play basis, though he does have the physicality and uh, the sure-handedness. But yeah, uh, they're struggling at that X spot and that deep spot, that that wide out. And uh, it makes sense to, you know, try and get this last year with Boykin to see if if he can turn things around and you know they put the draft stock into him they put a lot of development efforts into him and they don't want him gone um without giving it one last effort and hoping for the best and uh if not we can expect a a a clean break between the two yeah i mean he's he's running out of option value at this point certainly i'm still i am still hopeful he'll he'll play well this year um, on offensive line, uh, two guys were com- sorry, three guys were competing for two spots: McCurry, Cologne, and Bredesen. Bredesen got traded. McCurry and Cologne make it. Very similar positional flexibility to only play guard center as opposed to other places. With the Ravens already having three guys on the roster who basically only play guard, with Powers, Cleveland, and Zeitler. I would not expect. Um, you know, I, I, I thought it was possible they'd only keep one of those three and they, they did end up keeping two. Uh, Schofield is the guy who could be back because they are so relatively weak at tackle. Um, he's one of many options league wide. They'll look at the waiver while and they'll try and figure it out. Yeah. Uh, Schofield is the guy that, uh, I think a, a fair number of uh, members of, at Baltimore Beatdown were were surprised by that cut, and uh, it makes sense that they are they would be interested in bringing him or somebody back. But they do have to watch the waiver wire, and the waiver wire still is from last week's excuse me last season's uh, draft order. For those that don't know, so uh, the uh, Jaguars, yeah. yeah, so the Jaguar essentially Jaguars are first, and we know the draft order now. And the Ravens are going to be late, so they aren't going to get the first uh, tackle that's sitting there on the waiver wire. They're going to have to hope that twenty six teams before them don't take the guy that they want, or they're going to have to put a surplus of of guys on their waiver claims here. Yeah. I, 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 I you mentioned the beatdown guys were saying that the Schofield pick, the Schofield cut was surprising. It doesn't really surprise me that he'd be cut because I look at him as the same as McPhee and, and Levine and other guys. I mean, he's a veteran guy who they had that flexibility with to move someone to IR and they've got, that's maybe the next thing we need to talk about is who are the IR guys? I mean, Boyle, Bateman, potentially Watkins, potentially Boykin, um, Jimmy Smith, I mean, they could have as many as five guys on this roster who look like they might be headed to IR uh, for the first three weeks of the season. And if they ha- if they did, then they'd have five guys they could bring back from probably mostly vested veterans, but also maybe another rookie. Yeah, so uh, Jameson Hensley of ESPN kind of talked about this, and, and and you've already alluded to it and discussed it. But yeah, uh, Rashad Bateman, Miles Boykin, Jimmy Smith are all guys that uh, you can expect to see on the short-term IR after 4 p.m. on Wednesday, and that's because they can be activated in three weeks. So that's already three guys, and those How three guys. 
mentioned it. Um, Boyle, I assume, is a part of that as well, unless they're wanting him week two or week three. But uh, that's not mentioned by Hensley. But that's something that, like, maybe, uh, you know, the 280 characters that we get, he didn't put in there. Uh, but, yeah, those are four guys right there and in, in, uh, in, in the way that works. So, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's that could be uh, another guy, like you said. Right. The Ravens really need one of Watkins or Boykin ready by the opener. Uh, let's move on to the defense. I think they, they, with Ellis back on the roster uh, tomorrow, I'd expect the DL to be be solid with six. Outside linebacker, they're going with six once they get McPhee back. So I think they're set there. Edge of the roster guy who made it, Welch, Christian Welch. Now, he was a guy I thought they might cut and allow him to play off the practice squad for two weeks and then return in week three. Because I don't think there's a lot of interest in, in Christian Welch, but I think maybe this was a concession to special teams that they said, we've decimated our special teams units with all of the moves we've made. We have to we have to do something to keep a core special teamer. Yeah, Welch uh, has also been talked about just because they're so th- the, the Ravens are so thin at inside linebacker that they wanted him to be a part of it because it's Patrick Queen, Malik Harrison, mm-hmm. LJ Fort suffered that injury, as we know, and he won't be able to play. Uh, they have Chris Board there. So they, they only have three inside linebacker spots. And, uh, and, and you know, they frequently use two, sometimes three, not frequently because the Ravens don't really run a traditional 4-3 and, and you know, corners and DBs are so frequent in the NFL. NFL nowadays, but uh, overall, it's uh, yeah. I think they used him for for just depth at inside linebacker, but also the special teams role, as you said. I believe they have gone with three inside linebackers before, but the Ravens are a very special team, and I think you just kind of alluded to this, but I kind of want to nail it out a little firmly. Is the Ravens since they play so much diamond quarter, they use less inside linebackers per play than just about any other NFL team. Since they use about one point thirty three, I believe was the number two years ago which when they played all the dime defense that year. And, and it's if they're going to do that, then you probably can get by with three. But, but the problem is that your inside linebackers are also your core special teamers because they're that intermediate body type that, you, that has both size and speed that you like and can play inside as well on you know, punt uh, uh, blocking schemes. So it's, it's a, it ends up being, those end up being players you probably want to have on the roster. So interesting choice by Welch. I really thought they could have played it more fast and loose and cut him, but uh, apparently the Ravens think better of that. Yeah, I was expecting him not to make the uh, the initial 53-man roster. Uh, that's somebody I did miss on on my picks there. Everybody else in the in the secondary was pretty much as I expected. So they trade Wade that that filled up one space, or, or and then they they had to release Warrior, which is probably a cut they really that hurt more than just about any other one they made um, without getting anything for him. So they they weren't able to go to Arizona or go to one of these other teams that's missing cornerbacks and and get somebody. Yeah, so I think that's I, I think you and I might agree here. Warrior would have been your fifty fourth guy, probably if you if you had to keep somebody. I think you know his his value. It's him, maybe Ely, uh, but that's that's probably the one that that hurt the most. That John wasn't happy about making that final decision, or Eric, whichever one of the uh, person had the final decision on the roster. Now, now that I just think of this right now, I mean it's it's. They cut Warrior to keep Welch. I mean, both those guys can play special teams. I uh, don't know how good what Warrior is at it, but both those guys can play special teams. And you, you're you're probably buying into more upside value with a player like Warrior uh, than you are with Welch. I don't think he's ever really going to be a defender. I think he's a, a career core special teamer. Uh, so it's it's a it's an interesting 
call there, I think there'll be a lot of people second guessing that move if Warrior is picked up by somebody else. Yeah, if Warrior is picked up or if Welch uh, struggles on special teams, if you see him, you know, not get a success, you know, if he if his tackles broken or if he gets blocked and and a big gain is made, you know, whether it's early or late in a game, just off of a kickoff of a late score or something, uh, that'll be something that uh, I'll I'll be keeping an eye on. I guarantee you, fans of Nigel Warrior will be as well. Mm-hmm. Great. The Ravens did a great job of getting younger, particularly at safety, where Stone and Stevens both made the team. Uh, that's a that's a really important move because they may or may not be able to afford Joker after the season. Elliott's, uh, you know, going to be a free agent, and if if they can work out a deal, great. If they can't, you know, they're they're probably going to have to let him go. And and frankly, a lot of money needs to migrate from defense to offense to pay for Jackson. Most of that's going to come from the defensive line with Campbell and Williams going. They may also have to dip in at corner uh, with with probably Peters would be the guy who would have to go. And for that, you need young defensive backs to replace them. They were old at those positions. They did a good job of getting younger at both of them. Yeah, the the money's going to change hands at one point. I don't I don't think it was last year, it was the year before uh, I wrote an article about the Ravens had spent the most money or the second most money of any team only behind the uh, Denver Broncos. The Broncos with their mega Von Miller contract outpaced them on on defensive spending, but the Ravens were number 32 in offensive spending uh, because they had so many cheap guys, Orlando Brown Jr., Mark Andrews, Marquise Brown, Lamar Jackson. Everybody was just at this incredibly wonderful discounted price because that's what the NFL can run on nowadays is cheaper rookie contracts. And uh, that's a bigger discussion as well. But this is just showing that, you know, things are coming up like a a Lamar Jackson contract and otherwise, and people are going to need to get paid and, and you got to, develop depth and starter quality at other positions. And uh, when you're spending the most on defense, you got to learn to get younger and cheaper eventually. The 2019 team that you mentioned was historically productive per dollar spent. It might've been number one of all time, but it's one of the greatest offenses of all time in terms of points per drive. They're about fifth in in all time NFL history. Might've dropped to six with somebody, somebody having a better year last year, but even so to spend basically nothing on your offense in a year where you're that good is, is remarkable. So uh, it was a, it was a, it was a fabulous year. And in terms of contract efficiency, we'll never see it happen again to the Ravens probably in the rest of our lifetimes. Yeah. You got to stumble into some, outstanding picks and you also have to be surefire in the ones that you do know about because uh that's that's what led to like i said yeah number 32 in in the nfl on on offensive players spent uh for contracts but yet had one of the most dominant offensive years Mm -hmm. in terms of points per drive and, and rushing yards and everything else as you and i know all right. Fantastic show here. Uh, I think we covered pretty much everything in terms of going who is on, who is off. Hope people uh, appreciate this episode. It'll be out uh, a little bit later tonight. Kyle, I'm telling you, anything going on at Beatdown or anything else you want to talk about uh, where people can talk football with you? Yeah, for sure. You can definitely follow me on Twitter at Kyle P. Barber. Uh, definitely head to BaltimoreBeatdown.com. We're going to be writing a lot about who made the roster, who didn't, some surprising cuts, and who are available on the waiver wire that the Ravens might be able to target. You know, the most surprising players that were released or cut or requested to be uh, uh 
you know, in the free agent market now. And uh, we'll, we're going to be doing a little bit of an instant reaction roundtable with the entire staff talking about our takeaways from uh, what's going on here with the Ravens first 53 man roster. I like how it goes from the final 53 man roster to the first 53 man roster as soon as four o'clock hits because it's the final one for for all the cuts, but it's the first one in a long sequence of this 17 game season. And it's, you know, it changes within 24 hours after people are placed on IR and moved and picked up and waved and stuff. I feel, I always figure that's such a unique phrasing to go from final 53 to the first 53. But thank you very much for having me, Ken. I, uh, I love doing this stuff every uh, every time I hop on with you, man. Hey, always a pleasure, Kyle. Great, great to talk football with you. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Transform your home in one weekend with paint from Menards. Get a paint that combines durability and gorgeous color. Dutch Boys DuraClean Interior Paint and Primer in One offers Stay Clean technology, making your home stay beautiful and clean longer. And with Dutch Boys Easy Opening Smooth Pouring Container, transforming your home has never been easier. Save big money on Dutch Boy paints and head into Menards to get your paint project started today. Save big money.